It's the final week of the regular season, and we're a little sad that it's almost over. Welcome to Hoo Hoo Hail, a championship podcast. My name is Jeff Coe, and I'm here with the Greek poet and philosopher, Kathy Chong. Hi, everyone. I am here with a secret but not-so-secret Purdue fan, Jeff Coe. I think you might be the secret Purdue fan, but I think you're not allowed to say that about you. I guess I am a co-host on the podcast of Choo Choo Hail, the Hoo Hoo Hail competitor. Yuck. <laughs> While neither of our teams are going to win a championship this year, both my Michigan Wolverines and Kathy's Indiana Hoosiers appear to be on the upswing. This week, we saw them in action. Hoo Hoo Hail had its own championship as we traveled to see Hoo Hoo and Hale play each other at The Rock in Bloomington. Kathy, this was the biggest game of the season for our podcast. But I think given how tightly emotionally wound you've been um, following Indiana football, the emotional stakes for this game were higher for you. Will you tell us how you felt leading up to the game and after? Yeah, so I will talk about this starting with the week of and then building up to the actual game. So the week of, I was extremely confident just because the couple of times that I had seen Indiana play Michigan, so one time in person in 2017 where we went to double overtime and another close game in 2018, I felt like Indiana played really well and scared Michigan and it was close. And knowing that Indiana is a better football team this year, at least in my opinion, I knew that it would either be super close or we could even possibly pull off an upset. So it's really more just, good all week. Yeah, and I think just looking at all the history of the of the games of this series, even though the it's like a twenty five game losing streak now, I think in recent years um, it's just been so stupid, right? Like all the games are so close and so exciting, and I think I think it just makes sense that would you say that this is the best Indiana team? In the past 25 years, are we are we there yet? Or is that too much to say? I think that's fair because we haven't been ranked since 1994. So that's been 25 years. And we were ranked in the AP poll and the coaches poll this year. We haven't won a bowl game since 1991. It's been 28 years. And I think we have a decent shot of doing that this year. We haven't had a winning season in 12 years. And we are able to accomplish that. So I really think in over a decade, at least, we've had the best team we've ever seen. And as you said, possibly even within the last 25 years, quarter of a century, this is quite potentially the best team we've seen. So I think that makes sense, right? So if every game's been close and Michigan is probably, I would say, theoretically, it's worse than last year, uh, given all the on offense, the growing pains with this new spread Gaddis system. And on defense, we lost all our talent, first-round draft picks. We don't have Devin Bush anymore. I would say that last year was a better Michigan team. So if you if you put the two together, Michigan's a little worse. Indiana's the best in 25 years. It makes sense that you would feel good. But continue telling and, us and about your feelings. Kind of from like a poetic standpoint, it just felt right. You know how I always joke, like, I think the universe is trying to tell me X and, and I kind of felt that. And those things never pan out. So maybe I should just learn that my hunches are, are wrong. But I felt that, you know, the last time Michigan had won against – or sorry, the last time Indiana had won against Michigan was in 1987. So that was 32 years ago. And that was the year I was born. So I'm like, okay, the last time they won was the year I was born. This is the year I start a podcast. It just makes sense that this is the year that we can do it. And I think one of the funny things is – if you already know, then the universe doesn't have to tell you, right? Like, I guess, I guess, you, you know, so if you're going to tell the universe what to tell you, the universe isn't telling you anything. So I think, I think you might have to reevaluate it a little bit. There might be a couple of reasons why I was responsible for Indiana losing, which we can get into. Um, but I'll give leave. us the give us the. Oh, we, you were feeling good, right? So you're yeah, feeling joke. like good. I was bringing up jokes. I mean, I you and I obviously we kept it friendly, but we had a decent amount of trash talking. And I even tweeted you some things. I was tweeting you all these jokes, and I tweeted you a letdown look ahead sandwich that was in space because I thought it was so funny. And Jeff will go into later why that was a terrible idea. Um, terrible but- idea. Probably the probably the worst 
like other than you jinxing Logan Justice, the worst <laughs> thing that you've done for your team. Yeah. So so maybe I just need to stay stay out of it from going forward. But a couple of days before the game, Jeff has a conversation with me and he's serious and he lets me know, hey, I've changed my line back up to 24. Because he, what did you have before that, Jeff? Was it 10? So I think every week, because Michigan looked bad offensively and Indiana looked so good. So every week, our lines had like shifted. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, just... I mean, before this crazy sort of Notre Dame, like how tightly you guys played Penn State and played well, I think at the moment, at the the moment immediately after your Penn State game, putting aside, it's kind of hard to tell transitively how, you know, you guys played Michigan State so close and we won with Michigan State so much. But I think a lot of it is credit to your offense. A lot of it is crediting the prior stupid encounters. But I think the second that the Penn State game ended, I think our line, my personal line was, I think, 5.5 Michigan by 5.5. Okay. And so that's like 8.5 with the home court advantage. Yeah. I think yours was what? Michigan by three? Three, yep. So like six points. And then the Vegas line was initially like, I want to say seven. And then the sharp money betted it down to 10. But so... A couple of days before the game, right after I watched uh, FIFI faux film, which is, as I said to you, my favorite double pun, right? It's FIFI faux film, mm-hmm. but it's faux as an M&E and film as in watching the game tape. And so Seth breaks down before the game, both sides of the ball. I just watched or read the Ohio State one, and it's terrifying for Ohio State's offense, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, but... I read both of those and I realized the the matchups uh, weren't that great. Uh, like the ways, and by matchups, I mean the ways that Indiana is good doesn't really beat Michigan, and the ways that Indiana is bad is something that Indiana that that Michigan would exploit. So after watching that, I changed my personal line back to what I had it when ESPN was raving about the preseason, and I changed it back to twenty four. And when Jeff told me this, and I trust Jeff because he reads a lot, he watches a lot of film, and he he does know what he's talking about. And so I knew it wasn't just trash talk. It wasn't just gibberish. He was backing up with solid facts and talking about the matchups. So when he told me this, I had a very sinking feeling in my heart that things might not pan out, but I was definitely in denial, and I just really wanted to root for this team. And I was like, you know what? Like... It poetically all aligns. This is the year I started a podcast. We have to win. And so that's the kind of mindset that I took into the first half. And, and I think for, while, for for us, I had painted out in our episode before the best case scenario, which is um, on offense, our offense doesn't travel, like speed and space doesn't make it, right? And we're trying to run the ball and you guys are pretty stout in the middle. Um, and then on defense, you know, those little dink and dunk routes that we had trouble covering, even though Don Brown came up with a way to beat the crossing routes um, this year, that was sort of the best case scenario that I was trying to give you starting from last week's podcast. But I think I just, after re- watching FIFA film, I was like, mm, it's not going to happen this year. And, and that's sort of what we respectively brought into the game. Yeah, I guess the good news. So, Hoo Hale had the opportunity to go to the Rock in person. And I brought this mentality that Indiana absolutely had to win into the first half. So when Indiana was up by 7-0, and then later we were up 14-7, to I clutched on really tightly. You and said your funny phrases, right? What were your yeah, funny phrases? I was you overreacting said. to every play. And I was telling you, like, you know, we were up by seven or we were tied and I'd be like, they have to score on this driver. It's all over if they don't score. And if they didn't score, which Indiana wouldn't because they stopped scoring after 14 points. Um, I kept saying this game is over. This game is over. Um, and you had also to- said that you needed a signature win. Yes. And, and shock the world, which yes. both were really which, funny to excuse me. me. The Indie Star um, actually published an article saying that signature win hopes diminished um so they use that term as well so i just need to point that out 
Yeah. So why did you explain it for the audience? So, well, my opinion was like, uh, like, like, like these are like new phrases that you've discovered. But my opinion <laughs> was uh, like, why do you need a signature win for what? And then on shock the world, I'm like, how are you going to shock the world if no one's paying attention? <laughs> and so, but, but why tell me the thinking behind these? Like, cause I think it, in my head, it's sort of like, it ties in with like, you have to score, you know, you, 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 you don't score the game is over. You know, it's like, it really ties in with those. So, so give us that thinking that you had, why it was so important. I think with the signature win, I mean, we, made it to, you know, we got ranked for, for a week and I still don't think Indiana gets the respect that, that it deserves as a good football program. I think if you went up to any random person on the street who wasn't a football fan for IU, they probably wouldn't say Indiana is a good football school. And I was telling you with the signature win, we would have a seat at the table. Like we would have the respect to play with the big boys and just to know that we earned that seat And I don't think we will have that until we beat a good team because that's pretty – we made a bowl. You know, we have a good chance of winning a bowl. But I think what matters more is just beating a good team, especially in our conference, which would be great. So that's what I mean by signature win. Okay. Um, And so so you took that so tightly because you felt you needed it. And so that translated in sort of every score margin, every, you know, every sort of interaction. And – I mean, to be fair to DeBoer, he came out with two really awesome scoring scripted drives, right? Like they totally exposed. Um, he did. You know, or, or I don't wouldn't say exposed because I think after those two drives, Don Brown downloaded it, fixed sort of what you guys were doing and you guys didn't score again. But I think it definitely examined, like he's definitely a brilliant young man. We were even joking as the game started um, whether or not, you know, the young man would, how he would come across against old guy, Don Brown, who has, you know, 20, 40 more years experience than him. And he really showed up well, right? Like he, he had two scripted drives that looked so great and just played against our tendency. He did. Yeah, no, the first couple drives looked really good. And I will say after a couple of those drives, when it looked like people were starting to get injured, um, you know, I think Michigan's offense, your the athleticism and size of your players, your wide receivers, it was becoming an outmatch for us. I'll be honest, Jeff, and I think you knew sitting next to me, I didn't have fun that first half. Even though we were in my home stadium, I was extremely stressed out, um, kind of panicking and probably wasn't a fun person to sit around either. Um, so that and, sums and up my first How much half of that had to do with experience. the weather? Like, will you tell us about sort of, was it the weather? Was it not the weather? So was the weather? It, the weather was worse before the game started because it was, you know, it was, it was raining a decent amount. But when the game started, it wasn't bad. And I think you and I talked about it, how weather doesn't really phase us just because we run and hiked in, in such terrible conditions. Um, so it could have been the sunniest of all days and I would have been just as stressed. It was really just me holding on to that signature win concept and thinking that if we didn't win this game, that the universe wasn't aligned, that everything was going to blow up, everything I believed to be true was wrong. That's how tightly I was clutching on. And I think for, for me, it was like, this is the Big Ten, right? Like the snow and the hail and the rain and the <laughs> yeah. cold in late November. Like we always joke about how um, there are all these, there are all these, um, there are all these um, um, there are all these Pac-12 games that we watch online, and there are these girls who dress up for the game, and they have these strappy outfits that they show their shoulders, and ESPN hands yeah. the camera on them, and we're like, "That's not real football." Meanwhile, me and you are soaked and drenched, and we're just happy to be there. And so many people, surprisingly, from the Big Ten were like, "Wow, you guys are real fans. You handled that weather, but it really wasn't so bad." It wasn't that bad. Yeah, I was surprised at how many people were shocked that we were able to make it out there. But no, it wasn't too, too bad. And I will say, you know, during halftime, um, we decided to walk around inside just because the weather wasn't ideal. Um, And I even got a lovely scarf. I use scarf as a gift, which I'm excited to accentuate my outfit. Yes, it was a candy cane, crimson and cream um, uh, striped scarf. And so... 
I don't know what came over me. I think I well, thought maybe, to myself, like, maybe it was the scarf. Was but the, you know, the candy maybe cane it scarf. Was the, scarf. <laughs> the reason why was because waking up, you have, you were in all black. And I was like, and I didn't even know oh, that yeah. this was like a choo choo mm-hmm. joke. That I was like, um, do you support a team where black is their color? And, and then you were like, Jeff, stop trying to like <laughs> accuse me of being a Purdue fan. It's just that I have all these like black warm clothes. And so that's why we got the candy cane scarf yeah. to accent that. So you can't. And, and then we, we, did. we ended up hanging it on the, or trying to hang it on the Boilermaker, uh, which we'll talk about um, the scarf. Um, but, but yeah, so, so, so you got the gift. I got the gift and maybe that is what changed my mindset, but I was kind of thinking to myself, you're not having fun. Like you're in your home stadium where you should be having the time of your life irregardless and you're not having fun. And I decided that no matter what the outcome was, I should be proud of how the Hoosiers have played all year. And that what Jeff had told me a a couple days ago was probably true. And I just, I think the word is acceptance. I walked in for the second half with the mindset of acceptance. And I will tell you, Jeff, for the rest of the game, I was so zen. I was obviously rooting for my team. I was cheering them on, but I was very zen. And I accepted the outcome. I was happy and proud of them um, just for the work that they've done this season. You know that week where we recorded that week where we recorded Mm -hmm. where I think it was the same week where we had just lost to Penn State on that last second pass and dropping that. And then, um, and then the um, you had just made the bowl game, not without a bit of stress. And we had said we're both in. Just that your Zan was like, mm-hmm. oh, we made the bowl game, and that was the goal, yes. right? I mean, nine Indiana is like sort of like the stretch goal, right? Yeah. And then for me, I was like, I'm Zen because my se- my mm-hmm. season doesn't matter anymore. And and you were like, and you were like, huh? Um, um, like that doesn't seem that healthy. It's kind of a dark kind of zen. And uh, are is this zen similar to that kind of zen? Like my zen at my season being over, or different? I feel like it's. Different. I, I, I think it's a little bit different. No, I think it's different because mine had nothing to do with the season being over or not. Because I don't think the outcome of the. I mean, the outcome of the Michigan game does determine what bowl we go to and who we play, but. I was going to be happy no matter what. Like I'm, I want the Hoosiers to win every. I really want them to win this week. I really want them to win the bowl game so that nine Windiana becomes a thing. So I will be rooting for them. But I don't think I have a right to really ask more of the Hoosiers right now, just because of what they've been able to do this season. Um, with you know all the injuries. I mean, we're with QB two who looked kind of hurt. We're without our number one receiver. I'm just really proud of these guys, and so. I just accepted the outcome. I mean, I I think Michigan's offense was just too good, which is fine. I'm happy for your team. Yeah, so I guess it's a true kind of zen, which is good. Um, I mean, I when when you sent me these show notes, mm-hmm. I felt like mm-hmm. it was a true sort of warrior poem elegy, where you know you get really psyched up, you're really excited, you go in and you fight mm-hmm. the battle, and it might not go the way that you want, but the result is something that you end up being proud of. And, yeah. and, it, and it still emotionally affects you and you're happy like you to your credit when it started hailing in the third quarter you stayed till the end and that's like true true fandom that's the hardest part for me jeff was and i don't blame the fans at all i mean the weather was so terrible and we were clearly losing but all the indiana fans left and so what was left was a very loud michigan crowd that were made doing Indiana or sorry, we're doing Michigan cheers. Like they were yelling, go blue across the stadium. And that made me really sad for the Hoosiers. Like my heart did break a little bit for them. So even though I'm like one teeny tiny person, I decided, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to stay until the end, no matter what it can monsoon. And I'm going to stay here for this. Team. And I didn't love the, you know, beat or higher chance. Like I felt like that was too much. Um, but but yeah, I think we stayed no, and we stayed and it was nice. So our favorite podcast, yeah. as you were Zen, I was trying to tweak you and blame everything. Of course, this makes so much sense, but both of, <laughs> both of us are super superstitious. <laughs> and it's like, um, 
my favorite movie, Silver Linings Playbook, where fans actually think that their actions have a direct consequence, a direct impact on what happens on the field. And so as you were being Zen in the second half, and I, I like it because sometimes you're like my mother watching a basketball game where every basket that the other team scores or every basket that our team misses watching a Raptors game with her was in Toronto was terrible because she was on the edge of her seat. And I told mom, like, listen, there's like the Raptors are going to score a hundred points, which means that they're going to shoot 50 baskets and maybe miss 50. Cause if you shoot 50%, it's pretty good. And the other team's also going to maybe score a hundred. So that's literally a hundred times that you clutch at my thighs and I can't <laughs> do this. Um, but so, so I tried to tweak you given that you were Zam, I tried to t- tweak you back. And I kept saying, this might be your fault. And the reason why I said that was because, so our favorite podcast, The Solid Verbal, which Kathy has probably been featured twice on. Can we say that? Is that like too much of an exaggeration? I think, let's be clear. I've, I've been featured for about five to 10 seconds at a time, but but let's take it. I mean, I've been featured. <laughs> yeah, so they have uh, something called the reverb line where you can call in, uh, after a Saturday, and they have a really hardworking intern that splices the clips together. And so Kathy, um, I gave Kathy strategies for how to appear. Like I, I figured out like sort of how mm. to get you on. So the first time was to say that you're from an exotic place because they always put the places. And then the second time was to talk about the big game. Which is not a lie. Yeah, yeah. You say you're from Korea, yes. which is not. I mean, I did say I was from Korea, which my my blood is from Korea, I Your guess. Your genetic so, line is from Korea. So I think it works. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so they have segments and images that we love. So one... And then, mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the second time, um, you gave me the right keywords to use. So we use terms like speed and space. Um, we use nine windy and I think... Take like, back the we, bucket. You knew the right terms for me to use to be featured. Yeah, like all the key yes, hooks in it. two seconds. Uh, but so, yeah, so they have segments and images that we love, including, I think one of my favorites is when they play like the Windows 2000 so- sound when you start a computer and they say it's the window of opportunity. So the idea behind the segment is you, um, mm-hmm. theoretically, you're a man on a football weekend in the fall. So you're sitting on the couch like all day from big noon onwards till the night game till Pac-12 after dark. But if you have to take the wife and girlfriend out or if you have to you know mow the lawn like john u bacon loves to say or do something the window opportunity what they do is they look at what time frame given that week has the weakest most uninteresting games that you could theoretically skip so i think like i think ty is more like yeah we don't have to watch football and dan's like do you actually like college football because for ty he's like very demanding on like what will <laughs> capture his attention. I think I've gotten that right. I, I sometimes I confuse them. But so that's a really great one. But the one that Kathy fundamentally misunderstood in a way that definitively jinxed the Indiana Hoosiers is the letdown look ahead sandwich. So Kathy, can you tell us how the letdown look ahead sandwich works and like what kind of game constitutes a letdown look ahead sandwich? We mentioned this a little bit last week, and I think the perfect example is Michigan and their string of games where it's Michigan State, Indiana, and then Ohio State. Because on the edges, you have Michigan State and Ohio State, which are those classic rival, high emotional stakes, you know, you care about it so much games. And then in between, in the sandwich, you've got Indiana which, as I said, I don't think we get the respect that we deserve. People underestimate us. We're overrated. And so because of that, it ends up being kind of a trappy game. So so the um, sandwich... Indiana has given Michigan trouble in the past. So the sandwich is that it's sandwiched between two high emotional impact games. So it's number two. That's the sandwich part, right? Mm-hmm. And then the look ahead part is you're looking ahead yep, to number three. Sandwich- um, so you're looking ahead to the Knicks game and then the, yes. So you miss the good stuff. In the and then the, the letdown yeah. part is because by looking ahead of it, you don't treat this resurgent good Indiana team with the 
respect that it deserves. And so then you lose. And so it's a letdown. And so what do you do yes. the morning before the game? What, what, what do you do? So I go on Twitter and I was like, I need to find a really good GIF. So I type in the word sandwich and I see a picture of a sandwich that's in space. And as an added bonus, there's like a cute dog sitting on top of it. So I was like, this is perfect. It's the letdown look ahead sandwich. It's in space because of Michigan's so-called speed in space. And on top of that, it has a cute dog. I have to tweet this out to Jeff. And so you didn't DM me. You tweeted it for the world and you tagged me in it, right? <laughs> and so you tweet this. Yes, I did. I did. I think I not only sent it, I did tweet it to everyone. So you tweeted it and then you were like, haha, like what was your caption? You were like, haha, this is you or what was, What did you say? Like, what was your caption? I just want to make sure. We... I said like, haha, let's not look at his sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so the whole point, so you text that to me and I was like, my my first thought was, if it's a look-ahead sandwich, oh, yeah, you said, here's your letdown look-ahead sandwich, and it's in space. And so my first thought was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't say that. <laughs> and so I was like, this makes no sense. If I'm looking straight at the middle of this gif at the sandwich, how can I be looking ahead of it? So I was like, I don't think that this makes sense. And then I realized, oh, my God, you texted... The sandwich that everyone's supposed to look ahead of, you text it to Jim Harbaugh, you text it to Don Brown, and now everyone's focusing on the sandwich. We're super focused, particularly because there's a cute dog, and it's like an eye-catching sandwich that's like bouncing around in the gift. So instead of us looking ahead of the look-ahead sandwich, we're like looking straight at it, and now it's not going to be let down because we're going to devour the sandwich. <laughs> and so what I was thinking was that Sam... Webb, who, and I'm not going to do that because you gave such a warm, a warm, um, you know, description of the sandwich and on the game. But Sam Webb, who I listened to on WTKA, um, he was just all loaded up. He had this whole segment just roasting Michigan State and obviously Indiana. Like, even though you've been saying, Jeff, some of the things you say about Indiana are quite mean. Do you realize that you like host? a podcast about Indiana sports. Like when I say, oh, like the losingest program in all of NCAA, Kathy, you're always like, why do you say that? Like, why do you remind me of that? And I think a large portion of it is just that you've played more games, right? Um, but so Sam was saying like, Michigan State is the knockoff yeah. version of Michigan. So if you live in a neighborhood with a hinky dinky mart and you think that's the Walmart, but actually Walmart is Walmart and you just go to the hinky dinky mart. And so I was going to make fun of you by saying, why would you text the look ahead sandwich to the person who has to, you know, look ahead of the sandwich in Sam's tone. But I think, you know, I, I've already joked around too much about this with you um, saying that you focused everyone's attention. And so as you were having this Zen, um, this Zen realization, I was sort of nudging you and sa saying, guess whose fault this completely this thing is? Guess whose fault that is? And uh, you're a little bit sad. I was sad and I felt guilty. I think if I had been Robert De Niro's character in Silver Linings Playbook, I would have been going insane because I would have just felt so guilty and felt like I caused the loss. And I do feel guilty um, for the jinx. I mean, I think at the end of the day, Indiana would have lost anyways, just based off what I saw. But I definitely misunderstood the joke. Um, and so I ended up tweeting out the sandwich. It is a, to be fair to you, it is a really cute dog and a really cute sandwich. And the sandwich is kind of bouncing around in space. I think it's just, I think, I think the key part, <laughs> the key part of the letdown look ahead sandwich is the look ahead part, not the sandwich part. But it's very, you know, very typical of you to, whenever, whenever there's something about food, like the food part is the focus, right? <laughs> so that's very typical. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> so you gave, uh, some thoughts on the game and I figured like that were more emotional. I think it's actually really interesting and I want to ask you this, but you said as we were, you know, the first time we went to the rock this year against Ohio state, we took notes. We like, you know, sat down, we like, mm -hmm. you know, kept, kept, and this was before me and you could just talk through stuff and share. Uh, Cause we were worried that we wouldn't have enough content. And now we have too much content. We have to like cut the episode at an hour. But I think, 
it was really interesting that you walked out of the game and we talked about sort of how you would divvy up the show notes. And you said, I don't really have that many thoughts to report. Um, and I just want to sort of mine, mine that mm-hmm. a little bit more, yeah. if you wouldn't mind, live. Like, why is that? Like, I, I, well, how did you feel? You know, like, like, like what, what? I, I just, it just felt so interesting to me that as someone so invested and involved with your football program, you truly just felt, you know, I'm good. Like, I, I just, I enjoyed that experience and I'm good. And it was you weren't sad. You weren't, you were like kind of zen, but I'm just interested in sort of, you've been taking sort of 11 episodes, 12 episodes of all these detailed game X's and O's show notes. And as someone who live experienced that, that was the first thing that you said to me. You were just like, I'm good. Like, if you want to write this episode, it's not that I don't want to write it, but I don't have that much to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. And I don't mean this in a negative way, but I kind of feel like a balloon that's been deflated. And what I mean by that is that I have been so emotionally charged like all season. And I think as Indiana got better and better, you saw it with the Nebraska game when the six game was six win was on the line. And then after the six win, I just wanted that signature win. And so Penn State and Uh, Michigan became very big deals for me. And I got stressed out to the point where, you know, after Penn State, when we had that tough loss, I, I, I didn't get out of bed for like two hours. Like it's like almost unhealthy how emotionally invested. And I think just kind of reflecting back on the season, something happened during halftime. Maybe it was the magical candy cane scarf, but I just, you know, I'm at a point where, where I'm good. I can critique every single thing and say, you know, this should have happened. The ref made a bad call. Like we made mistakes here. But for me with this game, I just frankly think somewhere between the second and third quarters, a lot of our players got injured. We lost momentum. And then it was just too much to catch up. And and I'm good with that. I mean, they played their hearts out. So I'm good with it. Okay. Well, then I guess it falls to me to give our listeners and readers uh, some stuff about the game. So... <laughs> Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm just going to run through it quickly. Um, and then you can tell tell us about sort of the tailgate and sort of your big picture take on the season. I'll run through, run through some high points on the game. Okay. And so I'll keep it, try to keep it under five minutes. Sure. So my personal line, we talked about that. I revised it back to the preseason prediction of 24 because I read assessed on MGO blogs, V5O film. And it was kind of crazy. You'll have to vouch for me on this, but just because I'd watched so much film and watched both teams so much, I was just calling out plays before they happened, like saying, hey, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. This is going to happen yeah. before Twitter, before the coaches did it. It's kind of freaky. Yeah. yeah. So I just was 100% on on what I called out. So our offense, we were talking about before the game, whether it would travel, speed and space. And I said, you know, given what happened to MSU, we test you vertically and test you horizontally. And um, obviously – one really key thing I'd been kind of roasting Womack all year, but I think there are three buckets to what makes, you know, the three phases of the ball on defense, what makes defense good. It's number one, preparation and execution in terms of coaching. Uh, Number two, X's and O's scheme, drawn up strategy. So the first bucket of coaching is preparing the players and running them through the reps and training camp and all that. The second bucket, which is also coaching is drawing up the scheme and X's and O's. And I was kind of thinking, oh, like, is your defense bad because of those two things? But it doesn't sound like that would be the case because Tom Allen's such a great defensive coach by nature. Um, But then I realized it's really because of talent and recruiting. It's because you guys are too small. And so we are joking that, Kathy, you got to practice your living room speech to get a player uh, to play for Mm -hmm. IU's defense. We love Taiwan Mullen, who's like a top 500 recruit, but he's been playing like a top five recruit. Um, So your task, since we talked about this, was to practice your living room speech. Do you have it? Are you, are you ready to give it? Why a parent should send their kid to play for a coach Chong or a coach Ellen? I think I can definitely utilize the molding into men label, but let's be real, Jeff. I need to pull out some championship rings and, and show that to the folks when I'm in the living room. Like like the Affleck ad that we like of Coach Saban, which is like corny as hell, but we like it. Exactly, with Nick Saban. Yeah, yeah. so we'll, 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 mm-hmm. we'll have you practice that and we'll, I don't want to put you on your spot. But so a lot of people, your father and your brother blamed the secondary. 
but I think you you watched the gifts right of, yeah. of the passes and they were spot on. Or if I mean, what could your secondary do? Right, you watched the gifts like really other than the. Uh, other than the play that kind of I broke did. your back, which is the slot that Nico took one way and your safety whiffed, like the the rest of the touchdowns in the end zone, I think your secondary played textbook, right? Would you agree with that? I would agree with that after you sent me those close-up gifs, yes. Like our guys just bigger, just reach higher, just more athletic. And, you know, so that was the defense. Um, the offense, your guys ent- entered the game with a number 13 SP plus offense and um, great offense. And I kind of said that Hendershot, your Peyton Hendershot, your tight end would be your best player because Peyton Ramsey is going to dink and dunk with screens and crossing routes. Not that many crossing routes, but a lot mm-hmm. of bubble screens to the tight end, which we will talk about on our major key segment. Uh, so the, as you discussed, the offense came out and tested Don Brown for two drives and then Don Brown downloaded it. They ran out of scripted stuff, and the you know the talent just uh, you know the talent just took over it. But I would say that the difference between the first two times we went to the Rock and this time, even though we won by twenty five points, which beat my personal line, but I think against OSU, you guys were kind of outmatched in a way that indicated that you weren't ready. Um, but yeah. And then the first time against Michigan, it was like, what is Mike DeBoer doing in double overtime, right? Uh, last year, you guys played great. And I think this year, even though it was a big result, I think your boys really acquitted themselves well. I think your defense just, you know, a lot of people have been tweeting. The guys are just like, it's like high school defense because of the type of talent that you have or don't have. But I think your DeBoer is a phenomenal hire. Like, are you on board? I am 100% on board with DeBoer. Yep. Okay. So, yeah, so I think, you know, the two back-breaking plays were the, you know, the post route from Nico Collins. He made a safety miss. The other safety, like, covered the route wrong. And Nico Collins um, outran your defense for a 76-yard touchdown. And then, so then that made it um, from, uh, I think it was 23-14 after... um, no, it was 24-14. So it was 21-14 at the half. We were up by one touchdown. There was a quick Quinn Nardine field goal. And then he, um, Nico made your safety miss, and then it was 30-14. And then somehow Harbaugh ran a swinging gate for Dylan McCaffrey, and we scored two points. Don't ask me why we ran a two-point conversion. I really don't know. Uh, so that was 32-14. And then... ESPN also didn't show that two-point conversion. I mean, we are at the game, so it didn't matter. But back home, the people were really confused as well. Uh, and then and then uh, Uche, um, he sacks Ramsey, he strips Ramsey, and he recovers the ball. Uh, and, then, and then on the next play, um, one of those plays where Nico is just sitting on top of the safety corner and... That gave us the last point with the with the kick, 39-14. So I think it was those two plays that really mm-hmm. um yeah. broke apart the game. That that Collins miss, make, making Collins making the safety miss, and then the strip slack recovery. Uh and that was it. Um so that was the game. I think I think so that's why we said if we had left at the half right before those two plays, uh, we would have saw everything that we needed to see, right? Because those two quick plays and then that was the final score. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's right. But I'm glad we stayed throughout the duration of the whole thing. Yeah. That's a, you know, the support. So tell us about the, uh, the other cool, any other sort of cool thoughts? I mean, running into your brother, going to the sports blogger tailgate and where we stand uh, in terms of big picture uh, for Indiana. So it was really cool because Crimson Quarry is a football blog that we follow and and both enjoy. And they're the ones who have been promoting this Nine Windiana. And so they actually had a Nine Windiana tailgate, um, which they invited the public out to. And so Jeff and I go um, and we are kind of asking folks, you know, who holds the keys to the Twitter account? And we did meet the individual who holds the keys. And so it was really cool to, to meet that person and get their thoughts we told them, you know, we love we love your Twitter account. We think it's so funny. We love the blog. Um, so that was super fun. And it's really funny because I I learned this weekend what tailgating and bad weather means. 
because the tailgate was like, you know, we're going to be there from 10 till 3.30 when the game starts. And I was like, oh my gosh, we need to go early. And and Jeff's kind of taking his time. And then I found out from Jeff, you know, actually a half hour in this weather is the perfect amount of time to tailgate. Yeah, I think we ate, you know, we warmed up, we dried off. And then by the time we got to tailgate, the rain had stopped and everyone was in a good mood. And we met Crimson Corey. Did you like meeting him? I did. I thought it was really cool. Um, and I thought, I, I don't know, his, his sense of humor... He's definitely more outspoken on Twitter, but you can tell he's a very smart individual um, and it was just really cool to meet him. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you... So in terms of big picture... Yeah. Why don't you give uh, me your big picture? I'll give sort of our big picture. And then since we're at the 45 minute mark, we will do the preview episode and the other segments tomorrow. Uh, And so this will be our recap backwards looking episode. And then we will do a preview rivalry week, um, I guess, focusing on a rivals episode tomorrow. How's that? Okay. That sounds good. So for a big picture for Indiana this season, I compare it to a roller coaster ride. Um, it's been a heck of a ride this season. It's been a very good one, but we are nearing the end. And so going uphill for me was winning the first five games. We experienced some bumps. Um, with our losses to Michigan State and OSU earlier on in the season, beating Nebraska for the sixth win was kind of like reaching the top. And then afterwards, it's just been a roller coaster, fast-paced ride down. Like we had very quick, easy wins with against Maryland and Northwestern, but then we had tough losses to Penn State and Michigan. I mean, I think all those games to me kind of feel like a blur. And we have Purdue at the end. We're accelerating towards it. But I have this sinking feeling and sadness that when knowing that something so good is coming to an end with the regular season ending just in a few days here. So I really appreciate the ride that I was given, but I I do have some kind of lingering sad feelings deep down. Um, I know there will be other seasons, but this season was an especially special one to me. Yeah. I always tell you like, it's like a snow globe collection, right? Like you'll always remember the Mm -hmm. first season you did a podcast and that's, you know, the best IU season and how you're good luck. And I also think that the past two seasons were rough ways to end, right? You play, you're five and six, you go into the bucket game, you lose to your hated rival, and then your hated rival bans you from the postseason and they get to go, they get to go, you know? Um, And like, especially last year, right? Five and six, five and six for the right to go to the postseason. You lose the bucket. And so that's particularly a rough way to go. But I think this year you very likely have have the chance to win the bucket, which will get you to eight. And then whatever bowl game, I feel like the Big Ten generally outperforms in bowl games other than Michigan. So I think last few years Michigan lost the bowl, but everyone else won, right? Because um, I think some of these warm weather teams are soft. And, uh, you know. So, so I, I, I do believe that nine Indiana is very much in play and you'll win the bucket. And even though I think Ty said on Solid Verbal today that he took Purdue by seven, but I think Dan took, uh, and Dan was like, he literally sounded like that's so dumb. And Dan said, I take Hoosiers by 17. I don't know mm-hmm. what the official line is. It's like what, mm-hmm. like 12, 9.5, something like that along the lines. Um, so I think, yeah, I think you're going to be, really happy like you don't have to be sad yet like i feel like last year i was really sad because the five and seven leading into off seasons of everyone questioning the program like literally you like one you know one big 10 game right and then the and then the four sort of non-conference games and that was it right and uh and so this year definitely has a very different trajectory funny uh story the line's at six and a half oh wow okay uh are you by six and a half Nice. And so funny story that I heard about my former hometown Bears, um, because they're down to their QB3, um, David Blow. And if that name sounds familiar, he is the – actually, that's that's the Lions. So the Lions are down to their QB3, David Blow, and they're playing the Bears uh, on Sunday. And, you know, I don't follow pro, but I follow a lot of the – uh, Michigan bloggers 
And so um, they're like saying, well, at least we have one Michigan quarterback that's beaten Ohio State that's playing this weekend because David Blow is the guy who architect the 55-24 beatdown of Ohio State last year. Um, and he's now QB3. I think literally he took that game. And the Lions are like, we're Michigan, you beat Ohio State, you can be our sort of ride the bench QB3 on the strength of that game. Uh, like people were saying, he's not even the he's not even the top five quarterbacks in the Big Ten. Like if he had to come out and play like on Saturday, he wouldn't be the top five quarterbacks in the Big Ten. But he's starting for the Detroit oh, Lions nice. because he beat Ohio State. So funny Purdue mm-hmm. um, Purdue moment there. Nice. Yeah. So happier end, right? Than last. So year. how do you feel? Happier end. And how are you feeling about the Michigan season? I think the moment of dark Zen has passed a little bit. Like, I think, you know, you keep asking me this question, uh, which I think is really interesting. And it might be an interesting note to end the first half of our, um, of our rivalry week podcast here. We can do a solid verbal where we do the a recap episode and a preview episode, uh, which will be nice. Um, since I think we still have, we've barely gotten through like half our show notes for this week, big week. Right. So, uh, so yeah, we should do that. But I think, um, you know, this question you keep asking me is um, that when Harbaugh comes out and I think you like everyone else in the country were really affected by how Harbaugh, when he's down 21 zero in the night of the whiteout and he just says, and it's so interesting because it's like weird phrasing too. Right. Like he says, this will be our finest hour. Um, yeah. and, it, and he says it to the media, yep. right? Usually, usually you pump your team, but you don't make any promises. Right. And, um, but he says that to the media and he's just, I don't know, Harbaugh's a weird guy. Um, but so I, you know, he says weird things like this year, he said, like, if you plant potatoes, it's going to take a while before you can make potato salad. And that's how he described the Gattis <laughs> offense, which is like just a weird guy Harbaugh thing to say. Um, but, uh, he said, yeah, that that was the finest hour. And you kept asking me, like, what was the magic voodoo that happened, you know, at the half? And I think we were, we were trading articles about yeah, how, like, during halftime. we were trading articles about how people ask Coach Harbaugh that, too, right? And you asked me that. And I'm like, if I knew the answer, if Coach Harbaugh knew the answer, don't you think that he would bottle that up and open that before Wisconsin, before the Penn game, instead of the half? I don't know what the magic was. Um, but I think in terms of the outcome our season's not going to go anywhere. Like, I mean, these crazy playoff scenarios are not going to happen because the CFP ranked Michigan 13th. And we are not, with one game left to play, going to rise from 13 to, like, top four. It's just not going to happen. Because I think the modern-day playoff era, the reality is you lose two games, like we did, even though it's two, like, top 15 teams. You lose two games, you don't play in your championship game, of your conference, you don't make the playoffs. Um, that's just as simple as that. And all the people who hate on Harbaugh, so much hate on Harbaugh, right? Like every time he's doing something good, like beating Michigan State or beating Notre Dame or beating Iowa, the 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 uh, Chiron, the little sort of ESPN picture on the website is here are all the things that Harbaugh sucks at. Like here are all the things that Harbaugh hasn't done. And I think the reality of it is. He hasn't mm-hmm. be, he hasn't beat Ohio State, right? Um, if he beats Ohio State in 2016 or 2018, yeah. we make the playoffs. Just as simple as that. And that's two out of four years, right? Two out of four years. If he beats the rival, he makes the playoffs. This narrative dies. And in 2016, which still makes me sad, um, we were cheated out of it. Frankly, like by the referees, um, by the play calls, um, and in 2018 i don't know what happened we you know in 2017 we were down to our qb3 um and so three of those four years we you know well i mean two of them we 2016 2018 we could have if we beat ohio state and the reality is i think harbaugh at this moment is a top 85 percentile coach of all time and guess what in 2016 and 2018 a 95 percentile coach was on the other end and he beat us and that's it so all these narratives the really frustrating narrative caddy that i heard today was it's it's like oh harbaugh hasn't beat ohio state harbaugh's a loser this is the degree of hate 
the articles by those same guys today it was well even if he beats ohio state this year he can't do anything with that so beating ohio state he still sucks oh my gosh yeah so what does he need to do but i mean so it's part of the dark i mean he is the moment that he kisses the cfb trophy like i think what people will say well will be like well it took you like eight seasons to win a title so you're still a loser Exactly. There, there's always going to be a complaint. Yeah. Like, I mean, and, and the, the reality of it is like, I think there wouldn't be a complaint if he has the same results as Nick Saban, Davo Sweeney, the Clemson coach, or Urban Meyer. And I, I think those are, the, mm-hmm. those are the three guys that have won more than Harbaugh, right? And, and, um, and the reality of it is yeah. that only one person can win the title and these are the guys that won them right in the past like five ten years while Harvard's coaching so what can you do um so so yeah i think that dark zen still applies with respect to yeah. us not going to indianapolis um and you know us not making the playoffs because we couldn't beat ohio state i think beating ohio state this year would be kind of ironic like that hate where they say oh like beat Ohio State but still can't do anything so you still suck um but but I think it'll be a really good step uh I'm not pretty I'm not particularly optimistic about the game itself uh I'm too scared to hope since they've kind of body bagged us for the past 15 17 years um uh, but that's for Nick's episode I think where we get into the preview and we got jokes we got reenactments of audio clips we got discussions about the rivalry week we got <laughs> the major key segment we got one city thing we're gonna throw and then we got our reflections on how we felt doing this um because it might be one of our last episodes of the football season uh not the last one because we'll talk about how the rival week goes and we'll probably have a bull week one too but it's getting close so we have all that loaded up um if you have any comments on this episode please direct them to twitter at Hoo Hoo Kathy. Um, that's H O O H O O K A T H I E. Hoo Hoo Kathy will take all your comments and questions. Um, we thank you for listening. Uh, anything else, Kathy? No, I think you summed it up really well, Jeff. I'm excited to get into the previews coming up soon. Okay. Uh, hoo Hoo. Hail. <laughs>